I know most of you guys don't know me yet. You guys, you heard about me. You heard my name yesterday. You've seen me around. Uh, but myself, just again, myself, Taylor and Anna, we moved here from Arkansas in December. We moved to Cookville, and we're now uh, working with Kyle at Tennessee Tech. Um, it's been such an awesome, crazy semester already. Uh, I had no idea what to expect coming into this semester. Uh, just a, a new position for me, a new, new responsibility, new everything, new place, new people, new everything. And uh, I really had no idea what to expect. But Jesus has just done so much within me, so much within the students there. That, and, and I see that He just wants to continue to do stuff in, in each of our lives. He wants to do stuff in us, through us, around us. So this is just really awesome for me to get to be here, to meet more of you guys, to see what all of God has been doing on y'all's campuses. Uh, I think uh, this, is, this really has nothing to do with what I'm talking about tonight, but something that I love is just the diversity that is in this room. And, uh, and that's something that's just super big on my heart. And someone, someone pointed it out to me this one, one time. One of my buddies who had just recently gotten married, he was, uh, we were talking to each other about like, just unity within, b- between different races. Indian, Asian, black, white, Hispanic, all of it. Like, why, is it why is it important that we be united? Why is it important that we be together? And we were talking about that, and my friend told me this. He said, <clears throat> he had just gotten married, and he said, there are so many things that I see so many ways that I see God through my wife that I don't see through me. And there's so many things that there's so many ways that I see characteristics of God within a, within women that I don't see within men. You see the beauty and you see the gentleness a lot of times within women. A lot of times with men you see more of the, the boldness, the strength, right? And he said, in the same way that you see differences about God's characteristics in a in a woman. And a man, the same thing is true within races. You see different characteristics of God within black people, as you do within white people, within Indian people, within Asian people, within whatever, you know. And until we are united, until we are one, we won't really grasp the fullness of who God is. And so like, I absolutely love seeing uh, just that diversity in this room, uh, because uh, that's really how God has created it to be, is that for us to be one and to, to live with each other and to fight for each other. And so I want to say thank you uh, just for being bold. Uh, just being bold to, to, to go outside your comfort zone, because I know what it's like. Uh, the times for me personally, if I walk into a room and there is a... a table of black guys over here and a table of white guys over here and I got to choose who I'm going to sit with naturally I'm going to be more drawn to the white guys okay just because it's just comfortable that's just what I'm used to but until we do something about it and we say all right I'm, I'm getting out of what I'm used to and I'm fighting for what God wants I got to get out of my comfort zone like uh, we're not going to experience that unity that Jesus has created us for and so I want to just say thank you to you guys for doing that um, and I think that, that is going to be a huge thing that will transform our campuses when they see all of us 
living together and doing life together and serving one God together. You guys are awesome. I like to segue by just saying the word segue. So that was my segue. I got my jokes from Jonathan. Let's look at Matthew chapter 10 real quick. I've got several different things I want to flip through. Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 and 8. his disciples, and this is right when he's sending the twelve of them out to go do some work for the Lord. Jesus says this, he says, as you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. What if that was a part of our everyday life on our campus? Wouldn't that be gnarly? Look over at John chapter 14, verse 12. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, anyone who, sorry, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. God has huge things in store for us. He wants us to do great things. He wants us to do mighty things. He wants us to do the same things that he did. The miracles, the power, the love, the compassion, all that we see in Jesus' life, he's like, go do the same thing. You will do the same thing if you have faith in me. That's what he says. And then he says, you'll even do greater things. He wants to do awesome, huge, powerful things. How fun would that be? Seriously, if we were just going around our campus every day. It's like, you're just looking for that one kid on the crutches. And then the next day, he's not on crutches. You know what I'm saying? How fun would that be if God was just doing crazy miracles all the time? I really want to walk around, and I can't really walk around that way. Um, yeah. You, who, who in here would want that? Who wants that in your life? Anybody? I do. As Jesus would perform these miracles, people's lives were being changed. They were encountering and experiencing the real Jesus. They were experiencing God. They weren't just hearing about it, but they were like, okay, I just met God. Uh, we had a really cool time uh, a few weeks ago at um, one of our services. A girl came in on crutches. Her name is Sarah. She came in. She sprained her ankle real bad, rollerblading. And uh, she came in. We started our service at 7. A bunch of us prayed for the service beforehand at 6. And uh, she came in for prayer at 6. And one of the guys was like, hey, can I pray for your ankle? And he just quickly prayed. He said, Jesus, pray that you heal Sarah's ankle and take away the pain. Amen. But nothing happened. Not right then, at least. Later on, as uh, fast forward a couple hours, I went through worship, 
I spoke for a little bit, and then as I was turning around, and I was grabbing my Bible, picking my stuff up, everyone was kind of starting to stand up, and I hear behind me someone say, dude, is she jumping around? And I turn around, and there's Sarah over there, standing up, without her crutches, and her face in her hands, and she's crying. And I'm like, I think I know what's happening over there. And, uh, and I went over there and talked to her, and she was like, she was just crying, she couldn't talk, and so the girl next to her was like, she just stood up, and like, she wasn't using her crutches, and she started jumping around. <laughs> no way, no way. And she said that um, during worship, she had been sitting down, because she couldn't stand up. She had been sitting down, and like, her ankle was just like throbbing. And she said at, at some point, the pain just, like, just left. Her ankle just stopped, stopped hurting totally. And then after I finished speaking, she was able to stand up, and like, she was hopping around on her leg and stuff and walking around without any pain. And it was the coolest, coolest thing. She was so blown away, too. She was crying, her hands on her face. And she experienced the love of the Father. The fact that God cared so much about her to touch her like that. And we can live our lives every day spreading the presence of God. If we open ourselves and just say, Jesus, use me however you want to use me. He can reveal himself to the other students on our campus in the same way that he did to Sarah. The same way that he's done to all, so many people through the Gospels and the book of Acts. People see the love of the Father through his power. God's love is power. His power is love. God has called us to do great things, powerful Amen. things, supernatural things. Let's look at the book of Acts real quick. story of Philip in Acts chapter 8. I always put bookmarks in here, and then they slide down to the bottom when I put them on the stand, and I lose my bookmarks. Acts chapter 8. Starting in verse 4. Philip got to do some awesome stuff. It says, Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs that he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. <coughs> With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Dudes who were paralyzed. Paralyzed. What does paralyzed mean? You can't walk. You can't move. Crippled. What does crippled mean? Can't walk. Have you ever met someone who's paralyzed? Most of the time they're confined to a, like a wheelchair or something. It says people who were paralyzed, people who were crippled, Dudes who were being tormented by uh, demonic spirits were being healed. And it said that uh, all this was through Philip. It says there was great joy in that city. Starting in verse 9, I believe. It says, Now for some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. 
He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is the divine power known as the great power. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his magic. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news to the, of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles that were done. Even, even Simon, this dude who probably had made a ton of money off of the, the just demonic like magic stuff that he was doing. Because people would come to him and they would, uh, I would assume that they would, they would pay him to do things for them. Um, there, uh, there was probably a lot of just like fame that he had. It says that people called him the great power. Picture him like, like Wizard of Oz, the, the great Oz. Mm-hmm. You know? And so he had, he had fame, he had a reputation, and he probably got a lot of money from what he was doing. It says that even Simon followed Philip, was baptized, and he was astonished by the great signs and miracles that he saw. Philip was doing work. And then flip over just a little bit more. In verse 26, Philip was a man. This is a really cool story. 26 uh, through the rest of the chapter. says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road. I don't know what other kind of roads they had out there. So I don't really know why. Uh, but he says, Go down that road, the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. All right, so an angel comes to Philip and is like, go this way. So he does. And then uh, the spirit tells Philip, all right, you see this, this Ethiopian eunuch, just go up to this chariot. Just go up there and see what you hear. And he walks up and he hears uh, this dude, he's reading from the book of Isaiah. And he's like, hey, you know what you're, t- what you're reading there? And he's like, I don't know what I'm reading. You ever felt like that when you read the Bible? <laughs> I, could use the I could use the Philip about every day. Uh, and Philip uh, gets, to, gets to share with him some. It says, uh, the eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. That passage is talking about Jesus. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is this prophet talking about? Himself or somebody else? So the eunuch, he didn't know that it was about Jesus. He doesn't know what he's reading. Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? 
And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about <coughs> preaching the gospel in all the towns and he, uh, until he reached Caesarea. So the Spirit, like, just, he's like, hey, why don't you go talk to this dude? Philip shows up. Dude's life is completely changed. He's shared the gospel with him. Dude gets baptized. Life has changed. And then Philip gets transported, teleported. Has anybody here been teleported before? I don't think I have. He was teleported! Yeah. That's ridiculous! <laughs> Philip got to do some crazy stuff. You guys know how Philip got to start them? Flip back to Acts chapter 6. This is a different Philip from the disciple Philip. There's, there's the, uh, one of the 12 disciples. name was Philip. This isn't that guy. This is a different Philip, okay? So this Philip, how did he get started? Read with me just a little bit more, all right? Acts chapter 6, verse 1. Stay with me. Stay with me, all right? Are you with me? Yes. We're with you, Tom. You're with me. We're with you, Tom. <laughs> chapter 6, verse 1. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give, you, give our attention to prayer and ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Spirit, and also Philip, and then some, several, some other dudes. <laughs> they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. How did Philip get started? Waiting tables. He's waiting tables. <laughs> was it like, hey, just go find some dudes out the street real quick. We've got to take care of these widows. They're not getting fed. We need some people to wait on these tables. Now, in verse 3, it said, Choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. Find the dudes. Find some, some dudes who you know are legit, who are serious, who are, are men of God, who are wi full of wisdom, full of the Spirit. Find the best you can find. I think it would be easy for Philip to be like, Alright, I know who I am. I know I'm full of the Spirit. I'm full of wisdom. I know who I am. Put me on the front lines. Send me to the country where everyone else is scared to go to. Hey, could you uh, just go wait some tables, take care of the widows? Me? No, 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 no. Hold up. 
You want me to what? Has anybody ever asked you to do something you thought was maybe a little bit below your level? Philip doesn't respond anything like that. There's no documentation that Philip responded in any kind of negative way at all. If we will just open our hearts to serve however we need to be, to be used, God will do incredible things through us. If we will just be willing to serve however people need to be served, whether that's waiting tables, or if that's going out to the crazy countries of East Africa and Middle East, you know, where no one else is able to go yet, sneaking into China if we have to, the dangerous, the crazy things that, that, that sometimes get glorified more, the positions that get glorified more. If we'll be willing to do whatever God is calling us to do, no matter how small it might seem to be, He sees our heart. He sees that we are willing to serve. Lots of times we want the fun stuff. We want the awesome, cool things. We want to be a part of the miracles. We want to be a part of the power. We want to see the awesome stuff. We know that it's there. We know that we can. But we're not always so quick to be the first one to clean the toilet. We're not always the first one to sweep the floor. We're not always that quick to do our roommate's laundry for them. <laughs> we want all the fun stuff, the exciting stuff, the stuff that looks cool and the stuff that, uh, that is glorified a little bit more. We don't really want to wait on the tables. We don't want to wait on the widows. Stuff that doesn't look so flashy, so much fun. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus said that. He said, I came not to be served, but to serve. This has been super big on, on my heart for the, this verse and the next verse. It's been super big on my heart the last few weeks. I was in the, I, was, I actually drove back to Arkansas last weekend. I stopped at this gas station and uh, I, got, I went and got a drink and I was going up to the cash register and out of the corner of my eye I see this other dude who is very clearly in a hurry. And he's like walking a couple of aisles over and I see him like walking fast. And I kind of get up to the line of the register just right before he does. But he like just speed walks like right in front of me. I'm like, I was here before you, bro. I was definitely here right before you. And he like just he just got in and didn't even look at me. I was like, this is kind of weird. Like, are we in fourth grade right now? But he was in a hurry, and I was like, irritated. I don't know why. It wasn't even a big deal. I wasn't in a hurry. But it was just like, this guy just cut in line in front of me. And, uh, and I just felt like the Lord said, hey, you're not here to be served. You're here to serve. And I was like, no, that was for you. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, like, we're not here to be served. If Jesus wasn't here to be served, 
We definitely are here to be served. Amen. John chapter 13, verse 34 says, Jesus says, As I have loved you, so you must love one another. We talked about this uh, back at Tech for a couple weeks. If we want to love like Jesus did, we need to look at how he loved. So I want you guys to throw out some words that describe how Jesus loved us. Go ahead. Unconditionally. Unconditionally. Wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. What else? Relentlessly. Relentlessly. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Honest. Honest, yeah. I think within all of those, and there's so many words, like we, we spent like 30 minutes just listing off words, and we made this huge list. Um, but I think all of it really fits under the one category, one category of sacrifice. In everything that Jesus did, sacrifice was involved. Whether he was sacrificing his own time, sacrificing his own plans, sacrificing uh, sleep, sacrificing food, everything that he did, there was sacrifice because he was completely obedient. And in order to be obedient, you must sacrifice your own plans. Does that make sense? And Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father do, and I only say what I hear the Father say. Jesus lived a life of sacrifice. Service directly falls under sacrifice, right? What are some things that keep us from wanting to, to serve? I see you guys serving each other here. It's been super encouraging. Like just the, some of you guys cleaning up uh, the tables after we eat, helping, helping them in the kitchen. I see you guys serving each other, taking each other's trash and stuff. So I know that you guys serve. I know that you guys are filled with love for each other. I know that you are challenged by the life that you saw Jesus live. But I also know that you're not perfect. And I know that there's lots of times when no one's looking and there's an opportunity to serve. It's like, well, nobody else is in the bathroom with me. So I could probably just not pick up that toilet paper that's laying all over the floor. <laughs> Flush the toilet, get out of there. <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> Nobody even knows. So why, what is it inside of us that keeps us from wanting to serve wholeheartedly? The way that Jesus did. The times when no one's looking. The times when it's uncomfortable. The times when it costs something more. I think that's what it is, is that the cost doesn't always seem like it's worth it. We ask the questions, how much do I want to pay every day? Whether that's buying lunch, Maybe buying a new t-shirt. Maybe it's uh, serving your buddy in somehow. What do I want? What do I what am I willing to pay? Am I willing to pay the price for what I will be receiving? Is what 
I will be receiving, is it worth what I'm willing to pay? So if I got a Girl Scout coming to my door, and she's like offering me Thin Mints or Samoas, mm. Samoas. They both cost the same price, but I'm not paying a nickel for no Thin Mints. I'll pay five dollars for the Samoas. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Amen. So we make that decision all the time. Is this worth my time? Is this worth my money? Is this worth my effort? Am I willing to pay X, <coughs> X amount of time, effort, sleep, money for this? Am I willing to reach down and pick up the toilet paper off to the nasty floor and I'm willing to pay that price for what I'm going to receive. I'm not receiving anything from this. Nobody knows I'm doing it. I'm just going to throw it in the trash. I don't get paid nothing. I don't get paid for being the janitor for two seconds. There's no reward there. So lots of times, we don't serve because we think the cost is higher than what we will receive. We think, what am I paying and what am I receiving? Does that make sense? What am I paying? What am I receiving? We think through that all day, every day. Every decision we make. Uh, there are so many uh, different things that, that we can sacrifice. I've got four things that I want to touch on that I think are, uh, are big for, for this group. I'm not that far out of college. I graduated from college two years ago. Some of y'all are like, I thought you were still in college. I thought you were still in high school. <laughs> I, meet, I meet people, new people on campus like uh, most days, and I'll get to the question like, so what year are you? Where are you from? And they'll say, they're answering, they'll be like, well, what year are you? I'm like, well, I'm not really a year anymore. And they're like, you're not? You're a freshman? No, I'm not a year at all. I'm not in school. And they're like, oh, sorry. I'm like, it's not your fault. It's my parents' fault. <laughs> I think there's, uh, i got four things I want to touch on. In order to serve, there must be sacrifice. All right? Here's four things that we are going to have to be willing to sacrifice in order to serve the students on our campus, to serve those around us, right? Right now, you spend more time at COP on your campus than anywhere else, right? Either you're in class, you're in the cafeteria, you're just hanging out, you're in the library, you're in the college campus, college world, more than anywhere else right now. And so, I want to touch on a few areas where we can uh, hopefully be more willing to sacrifice and be willing to serve others. Number one is time. I want you to be willing to sacrifice your time. You need to be ready to sacrifice your study time, your fun time, your time with your friends, your sleep time. That's something fun? A little bit. I don't think it sounds like that much fun, honestly. <laughs> I like to sleep. I like hanging out with my friends. I like having fun. Take it back. I didn't really like studying that much. 
There we go. Okay, that's what you were typing. Yeah, that, that moment when you're, you've just put your PJs on, 11 o'clock at night, probably 1 o'clock in the morning for most of you. Uh, you just got your PJs on, and then there's that, your phone lights up, and it says, Ralph. <laughs> I don't know what name would be on it, but there's a name on it, and it's the kid who you were like, I really wish he wouldn't call me just now. And you're like, I do not want to answer that phone call. I got my PJs on. I'm literally about to get in bed. What if he asks me to do something I don't want to do? In order to answer that phone call, you're going to have to be willing to sacrifice your time. Because he might just want to talk. He might want you to come over and pray for him. He might have something going on. <coughs> sacrifice your sleep. Sacrifice your fun with your friends. If someone's trying to get you to, if someone's needing to spend time with you, or, it's, uh, or if God is calling you to uh, just reach out to somebody else, there's going to be sacrifice involved. Second thing is our pride. We're going to have to sacrifice our pride. Sacrifice our reputation. Stuff like this. You ever have these thoughts? How is everybody else going to look at me when they see me talking to that guy? How are all my friends going to think when they see me talking to that girl? That one kid in class who just doesn't smell that great. <laughs> and everybody knows it. And when they see you talking with him on the sidewalk, they'll be like, what's going on there? <laughs> you know they're going to think something like this. But if the Lord is, 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 is drawing you to show compassion to that kid or just reach out to that person just to love them, say hi to them, invite them to Chi Alpha, invite them to your small group or something, you're going to have to sacrifice your pride. You're going to have to sacrifice what other people might think of you. Romans 12, 16 says... Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. The problem there is that we get, we get into this tendency of thinking that we're better than people without even realizing it. Even just the fact that we have to call them people of low position. It shows that we, when, when, when that, comes in, that, that phrase comes in mind, People of low position, it's like, you got people in your mind when you hear that. The fact is that we are sons and daughters of God. That's all we are. That's a lot, too. It's not a little. I think that, I told you guys, like, unity between races is big, big for me. And I think that that's really the main issue with racism is that racism, all racism is, is when I think differently about a certain person because they look different than me. 
That's what it is. And I treat them differently because they look different than me. If we can all just see each other as a daughter of God, a son of God, rather than there's that, that Indian guy who's got a kind of weird accent, I can't understand him. If we would just quit putting those things and we would say, that's a daughter or son of God, they deserve to be loved in the way that, that, that God loves them. They don't know that God loves them. They don't know that they have a Father in Heaven who loves them because they're treated in, in such a poor way by so many different people. That's how they, that's how they gain their worth. They gain their value. And if it's just, they're constantly being told that they're, they're stupid or that they're worthless, that's what they start to believe. The truth is that God, God in heaven cares greatly for them and has died for them. And so we've got to fight against racism for that. Not just so people can have equal rights, but because people need to know that there's God in heaven who loves them. You have to sacrifice your reputation, sacrifice your pride. Third thing, you guys need to stand up. Anybody getting sleepy? I'm going to take your no as a yes. <laughs> All right, everybody stand up real quick. Just stand up. You don't have to jump. You're all stretching. I didn't tell you to stretch. You're definitely sleeping. You guys were like, no, I'm, I'm, not, sleep. I'm not sleeping. I'm not sleeping. All right, slap, slap yourself in the face a little bit if you need to. All right, everybody sit back down. That was great. We got to sacrifice time, sacrifice our pride and our reputation. Third things, you might, God might call you to sacrifice a little bit of your money. Oh, he's saying it. No, no, no. Not my money. I think one of the easiest, yet most effective ways to show someone that you care about them and that you love them is inviting them over to your apartment, to your dorm, to your house. Give them some food. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. And if you can cook them some food, <laughs> if you can cook them some food, that's what's up. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. You ever got, you got off to college and you're like, you, you're eating ramen noodles for the... 100th time that day, <laughs> you're like, can I please just get some real food? <laughs> Cooking for someone costs a little bit of money, though, right? <laughs> giving up your food, giving up your, uh, and, and usually if someone's coming over to your house, you know they're probably going to be like, hey, can I have one of those? Can I have one of those oatmeal cream pies? <laughs> Don't touch my oatmeal cream pies, man. <laughs> <laughs> I won't point out who, but one of our students that agree really loves uh, 1 Peter 4.9 says, 
offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And I love that he says without grumbling because he knows that the people he's talking to have been grumbling. <laughs> so he's not saying once you have stopped grumbling and you have the perfect heart, then show hospitality. He's saying show hospitality, but don't grumble, even if you feel like grumbling. <laughs> I'm getting a couple of giggles over there. <laughs> yeah, I, I challenge you guys to, uh, to set aside some money, whether that's each week or each month. Might be $5, might be $50. Set a little bit aside, whatever the amount is, and set it aside just for giving to somebody else or buying something for somebody else. <laughs> it could be 35 cents. I think you can get a 35 cent Coke at Kroger on the uh, Coke machines. 35 cents. Anybody got a quarter of the dime? Seriously, I want y'all to try this. Number four, last thing with, with this, is you're gonna need to sacrifice some energy sometime. Anybody heard this question before? Hey man, can you help me move this weekend? <laughs> Especially if you have a truck. Anybody in here have a truck? Awesome, okay, I'm going to need your phone number later. You have a truck? Jonathan, I didn't see your hand go up. All he has is money. <laughs> I dare you guys to get sweaty and dirty in your nice clothes. In your church clothes. There was a. I remember when I I did so I, after I graduated I did a year long internship with Kai Alpha. Um, at the University of Central Arkansas, and the the guy who was the director there, uh, he would dress he dressed nice most days, and there would be so many times he'd be out in the parking lot. We had like a we had a, a kind of a, like small office building, and uh, he'd he'd be out in the driveway like blowing the leaves, picking some weeds sometimes, and he's like in his regular clothes, and it was like. August, like, you know, like, beginning of, right before the semester starts, and he's just, like, sweating, soaking right through his nice shirt. I'm like, dang. Because <laughs> everything inside of me is like, I gotta go, too, now. <laughs> <laughs> Again, though, when someone sees you serving, willing to get sweaty and dirty in your nice clothes, when they see you're like that you, that you value them, that you value helping them more than you value keeping your clothes clean, people notice that stuff. Yeah. Jesus said, "I did not come to be served, but to serve." Yeah. Romans chapter twelve, verse one and two. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, 
in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is your holy and pleasing, sorry, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. It says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. The renewal of your mind. I believe that when it comes to serving, what we need is a new perspective. We need a change in our mind. Let's look at Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 11. Look at just verse 5 right now. Uh, different versions have different words. Some say, uh, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Some say, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Your attitude, your mindset, your way of thinking, it needs to be the same as Jesus. What was Jesus' mindset? I'm here to serve. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 11. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But instead he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at that name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on, earth, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We need a new mindset. Jesus came to serve, not be served. We think, what am I paying? What am I receiving? We should think, what did Jesus pay? What did I receive? So when we compare what I'm paying to what Jesus paid, You regret making the comparison. We need our minds to be changed. Our thought has to go from, what am I going to have to pay for this? To, what did Jesus already do for this? And what is my response now? This should bring us to a place of saying, Jesus, I will do anything for you, and I will do anything for anybody that you care about. Who does Jesus care about? Everybody. My buddy Pierce, <clears throat> I talk about Pierce all the time. Pierce, is just he's just the most awesome, awesome dude. He's my age, just the most awesome man of God, and also just the goofiest dude as well. 
Pierce loves to climb things. He loves to climb things very much beyond the point that makes you uncomfortable. <laughs> and if I'm going to have to call an ambulance, don't make me call an ambulance, man. He's, he'll climb trees, he'll climb electric poles, he, literally anything that he can wrap his arms around, he'll just climb to, right to the top. <laughs> Pierce, um, he just loved me really, really well. And there'd be times where, where uh, he, he lived in an apartment that was uh, a little down the street from mine. And late at night, he would uh, be on his way home, and he would just stop at my apartment, just come in. What's up, dude? Just wanted to check on you, see how things were going. It's like, man, this dude is different. People don't just come into my. I'm, I'm 19, 20 year old dude. You, people don't just come in and just see how I'm doing. <laughs> but the authenticity and just the genuineness of the love that Pierce had made it not weird. <laughs> Pierce really just cared about people not just me like he loved, he loved everybody that way I don't have enough words to describe how, how well Pierce loved me and how, how much he's done for me but the response that I've had to Pierce's love for me is I will do literally anything any time for you. I will do anything for anybody who you care about. You need me to drive down to your mom's house three hours away? I'll do it. You got one of your buddies, he's got a flat tire on the interstate, you can't get there? I'll go. Seriously, I would do anything for Pierce because he's shown me that he will do anything for me. We should have the same response to Jesus. Where we are willing to do anything, the drop of a hat. Jesus, you want me to go talk to the Ethiopian eunuch? I don't even know what a eunuch is. But <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> if you love him, I love him. Amen. You want me to just go stand by this chariot? That's kind of awkward. <laughs> you want me to go stand by that person's car? Just stand by their window? <laughs> That's weird. But if you love them, I love them. Bless you. We need a new mindset. If all we do is just try to change our behavior, it's only going to last for a week or two, and we're going to get tired, and we're going to get distracted. There has to be an inside, an internal change that happens first, that then will change our actions and change our behavior. Until we fully understand, actually, I'll take it back. Until we even just a little bit understand of how much Jesus loves us and loves our campus, until we really get a taste of that, and until that changes our heart, our actions are going to be 
just out, just out of a works-based motivation. Has anyone in here ever been on a mission trip? Whether it was three days, a week, two weeks, a month, did anybody feel like they grew a ton in such a short amount of time? Yeah. Why is that? Why do they grow so much on these mission trips? I think part of it's pretty simple. That there's just not as much, not as many distractions. Like school or work or family stuff. Um, whatever. We don't have so many distractions. We don't have anything pulling us in different ways. It's easy for us to have our attention set on Jesus and set on his purpose and set on what he's doing. We wake up in the morning like, all right, I'm ready to serve. I'm ready to do whatever he's calling me to do. Whatever they ask me today, I'm good. We wake up ready to serve. I'm on a mission trip. Hey, I'm here. Use me. This is why I spent my money to come out here. Better, better at least use me while I'm here. It's easy to, to be focused and it's easy to be purposed on mission trips usually. And then as we serve more wholeheartedly and we serve more freely, God just opens our eyes and he just teaches us all kinds of new stuff. When we walk in the life that Jesus walked in, crazy stuff happens. We grow. Jesus said, I came to serve, not be served. And when we serve in that manner, just grow. Stuff changes. Y'all staying with me? Is it possible and is it realistic? You can stand up. You can stand up. Anybody else? Mission trip. Is it possible? Is it realistic to live that way every day? Is it possible? It takes dedication, yeah. It does not sound like a trick question. It's not. <laughs> it is. The thing I think that happens on a mission trip is we are ready when we wake up. I'm here to serve. That's what I'm here for. It's a mission trip. I'm on a mission. I'm here to serve. I'm ready. We can have that mentality every single day, whether we have school, work, life going on, or if we have no distractions at all. perspective, a new mindset is the only thing that will help us with that. I think we just we, come, we, we put things in categories of this is under the category of serving God, this is just get it done this is homework. 
This is class. This is work. Our jobs. They don't, they don't, they're not under the God category. And so we get distracted by that stuff a lot of times. I just got to go to work. Got to go to class. Got to do my homework. Got to study. Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, whether it's homework or you're just talking to your friend, whether you're studying the Bible or you're studying your textbook, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it unto the name of the Lord Jesus. If you're mowing the yard, if you're on a mission trip, if you're sharing the gospel with someone who's never heard, you can do both with the same desire to just present before the Lord. If we just wake up in the morning, I'm here to serve. And in Colossians, same chapter, th- chapter 3, verse 23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for men. And that's something else that trips us up, as we get distracted by pleasing man. We try to work before man, rather than just please God. That's why so often, when we're in, in the bathroom, and there's trash all over the floor, no one's looking. We think that we're, we, we get so wrapped up in, in working before man, that whenever man's not around, we don't, we don't mm-hmm. do any more work. Mm-hmm. We do everything before the Lord, not before man. I really believe that God will be patient with us and teach us and walk with us as we learn how to wake up each day and say, God, every action I make, every word that I say is going to be service unto you. I'm here to serve and not be served. Jack, can you come back up and just, just play a little bit? I don't need to sing right here. We don't need behavior change, we need a heart change, right? The heart change will change the behavior. We all know that it's not easy to serve. We all know that different things, our flesh starts to get in the way and it's like, no, don't do that. Just do the comfortable thing, do the easy thing, do what's, what's more, just do what's less challenging. 
Here in just a minute, I'm gonna have some of you guys stand up. I want you to listen to why you're standing up, okay? I really believe that we can live our lives every day the same way if we're on a mission trip. That same mentality that we've had, that lots of you have experienced, just waking up ready to serve. More than anything, I want to ask you guys just to pray. Ask God, will you please change my mindset? Please help me to see from your perspective. I want to serve, not be served. I promise in the same way that, you, that, that people saw such a significant difference in Jesus' life and ours. Sorry. Such a significant difference between Jesus' life and the people that he was with. Because he wasn't about himself. He's all about others. I believe that if we have a heart and a mind that is set on serving those around us, not always doing the most challenging service project, but just being willing at all times to serve at any at any opportunity that may that may arise. Smallest thing, the biggest thing. People will see a very clear difference between the way that we live and the way that the rest of the world lives. Jesus says, they will know you are my disciples by the way that you love each other. So in just a second, I want you to stand up. If if you know that your heart isn't fully in the right spot and you do things mostly because you know other people are watching. If you have a hard time with serving and doing what you know you should, what you know you, you should do when no one else is watching. If you want to have a heart of service, a mindset of service so that Others will see a difference in your life and be drawn to Jesus. I want you to stand up right now.
we, sh we can live our lives like that every day. I think Jesus constantly walks around us and Where's the need at? God, show me the need so that I can fill it for you. One more time. If you want to have a mindset of serving rather than being served, if you want your first thought to be served <coughs> rather than and just act like you didn't see the need. And I want to encourage you to stand up. really believe that as we open our hearts to God, that's when he begins to change us. God is a gentleman, and he's not going to just barge in, he knocks, and he waits for us to open the door to him. And in these moments, as we stand, or as we uh, confess our sin sometimes, or as we uh, be more transparent, as we open up our lives, it's like we're literally opening, opening the door to our heart. That's really what's happening. And that's when he comes in. So I just ask if you're cool with this, just put your hands out like I am right here. Just in a receiving position. And just for the next couple minutes, I just want you to just pray. Pray on your own, under your breath, in your head, however. Just ask God to give you more opportunities to serve. read Colossians chapter 3.23 again, as well as verse 24. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for men, 
since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ that you are serving. So often we ask the question, is what I'm paying worth what I'm receiving? And I can tell you that whatever you have to pay is absolutely not enough for what you're really going to receive. Let me say that again. When we receive this inheritance that it talks about here, it says, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, When you see that inheritance, you're going to be like, man. All that stuff I was holding on to. Why did I care about all that? I could have given up so much more for this. I want to live my life in a way where I have no regrets at the end. No regrets of, man, I wish I would've just challenged myself more. I wish I would've served a little bit harder. I wish I would've sacrificed more of my time. I'm definitely not gonna think, man, I wish I would've watched one more hour of TV that night. I wish I wouldn't sacrifice that hour on Facebook. I really would've enjoyed that hour. I'm not gonna regret that one day. Will everybody else stand up now, too? And for the next, let's say, five minutes, I want you just to pray with the person next to you. That's what I want you to pray about. Just ask God to renew your mind, okay? Renew your mind to give you a new mindset.
for us that stepping into leadership is not a step up at all, but it's really a step down, because the king, the one who is exalted, is the one who was constantly stepping down, but always serving, right? So for us, I believe the exact same thing is true, that as we walk into greater responsibility and greater uh, greater responsibility within what God is calling us to, it's going to require more and more steps down for us, steps into servitude. So Jesus, thank you so much for this time. Lord, I thank you that you came and that you served us, Lord, that you didn't wait for us to serve you. God, I thank you for just the way that you poured yourself out for us that you didn't hold anything back, that you came relentlessly after us. Jesus says, by this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So I really challenge you guys. Love each other like crazy. Be willing to serve each other in any kind of way. And I promise you'll see people's lives be changed. The people you're serving, and then also the people who are watching that you're not even aware of. God, please help us to see the opportunities that you give us. Lord, help us to just serve wholeheartedly, without any reserve and without holding on to just any of the stuff that we hold on to, just our time or our money or our, our effort. Thank you, God, that you didn't hold on to anything, but that you gave up everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Real quick before you guys move, um, one of the critiques of this generation is that you guys are great, we are great surface level processes, which means we appreciate the thing in the moment and then promptly throw it away after the moment has passed. And I feel like what the Lord has challenged us with through, through Thomas's talk is that something that we need to continue to chew. Yes. And continue to allow the Lord to kind of speak to us. And I, I would say that of all of the talks that you guys are, are benefit to during this time, 
Don't just chew on them in a moment and then spit them out like they're disposable. I encourage you to continue to allow the Holy Spirit to keep these things present in your thoughts, sharpening and digesting. Because it's rich stuff. Like you don't get teaching like this all the time, especially right. like that. So I would just encourage you guys to not just like lose your mind the moment after it's over and move on to the next thing, but Amen. dig deeper yes. and process more deeply. And uh, I think that you'll find a lot more richness than even just in your first hearing of these things.